With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good day, and welcome to Healing in the Afterlife. This is a show about coming to a place of peace and healing after loss. I am Deborah Brown, and it is my honor and privilege to be co-hosting the show with Benjamin Allen, my friend, a brilliant writer, a gifted speaker, and an amazing human being. And we are absolutely going to have a wonderful conversation today. Benjamin, how are you today? I'm doing fine. Thank you. You start the show with that, and I keep thinking, I need to say that. I need to say all that <laughs> stuff about you, too. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant you wanted to say it about yourself. <laughs> no, 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 no. About you. About you. Oh, well, you can say it at the end. I'll, let you, I'll, I'll give you three minutes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> now, it's fun that we can um, start the show with some laughter because clearly the subject matter tends to be the opposite of laughter, you know, when you're talking about the after loss. Uh, And today I I do want to talk about depression because I think that it is linked in the world of the after loss. And there are probably going to be people listening to this show later or now that will say, oh, my gosh, that's exactly how I feel. That's exactly what I needed to hear. So do you have something, some kind of thought about depression in terms of, when you were experiencing the the beginning of your your journey, or do you want me to start with that? Uh, either one. I, I mean, I, in my experience with depression, I've, we've had a I've had a lot of depression in the family, and there was a lot uh, going on. I have to tell you that I did not experience the depression until after. Uh, we found out about the uh, uh, illnesses and the subsequent deaths uh, and along that, that period. And there's always been a, uh, a fine line for me between depression and grief. And sometimes that line is extremely blurred. And I just tell you from my point of view and my experience that I've had both. And depression for me feels like there's no way out, there's no exit, there's, there's, there's no way uh, to maneuver through and beyond the depression. It just feels like I'm just boxed in, and it's overwhelming. For grief, there's, there's a lot of the same characteristics, and there is that sense of the weight and the sorrow of, and the, the heaviness and the emotional uh, uh, debilitation. Uh, and all of the on the physical and everything, but for me in the grief, there may not feel a way out, but there has always been a way to go deeper into it. There has been movement in grief for me. Depression is is 
the, the, the scariest part of depression for me has been the stagnation and just the the paralysis. So, you know, there is some fluidity in grief for me, and always there's been that element of, of whether there's been a, you know, a trickle of fluidity or, or a great deal of fluidity and a movement, but there has been movement of grief. And in, in depression, I have often found, uh, you know, when I, when I have been in that state, it is just, there's no movement. And that's that's really how I distinguish between the two. Well, I have never heard it expressed that way, but that just sounds um, so valuable because I have had bouts of depression my whole life, I would say. Um, and I think that you're absolutely right. And I, I've, I liken it to a vortex of spiraling down, down, down. And, and I thank God I have figured out ways to what I call punch out, you know, sort of like either physically, mentally, emotionally, or whatever, just punch out of it um, so that I don't, collapse into whatever's at the end of that vortex, which is nothing. So so there's there's movement for me in depression, but it's down and deep and dark and nasty. So, um, But with the grief, what you were saying is that you move deeper into it and, and live it in a way that is more constructive, it sounds like. Well, I don't know. It's more, I, I can't say it's more or less. Depression also is uh, quite informative to my state of being as well as the, the grief. But I want to come back to what your uh, metaphor and your paradigm for how depression works for you. Because it's, it is different from mine, and, it's, and I think that's a very important message to people is depression shows up in the individual, individually, that there is, it, there's not one way, one kind of characteristic that can capture the magnitude of, of depression. And each person knows that, that experiences depression, knows what it is for them and, and can identify it. The, the question, you know, the issue is not rather the identification. I think most people, there. I'm sure I can't speak for everyone, but most people know when they're depressed. And and the question is, and how we package and understand and relate to that depression, also will give us clues and insights on how to move within it and through it. So it's really important when people when we talk about our depression, you you relate to it different, but I, I bet you if we sat down and compared notes of what, it, what it's like to be depressed, we, we would probably come up with a lot of parallel experiences. I'll tell you why it's kind of cool that we seem to be on the road to doing that, if you don't mind, is because, you know, let's face it, we just lost Robin Williams to depression that did not end well clearly i mean um and a lot of people won't talk about it a lot of people won't admit if they are depressed because there's not just the stigma but it does set up in the other person that you tell um well maybe maybe i should say it this way for me i think it 
it um, makes the other person think less of me, which is an interesting thing to say, um, and maybe it doesn't. See, that, that's what happens when the truth is not exactly expressed in your own mind when you're depressed. It's, it, what's happening is not necessarily the truth. Does that make sense? Yeah, very much so. I mean, it, it, is, it, it, it can be a very skewed reality. And, and what the messages that we give ourselves may not be congruent with the world around us and probably aren't. You know, there's a, there's a lot of self-messaging that uh, is incorrect. And uh, I heard someone say, I, I, I don't have to believe everything I think, you know. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and that's true. And, you know, and I, I often pause and step back and go, wait a minute. This is what I think, but I'm not sure if this is right. You know, this is this, I'm not sure if this is reality. And so, yeah, there is that, and there's that that sense of uh, with the you know I, we may be bouncing around a bit here, and, I, and, and may, we can talk about this later. But on the the aspect of in that depression, feeling there's no way out and no one can get in, uh, that that is. Not necessarily true, and that's what I think when when moving toward the suicidal ideations and and the potential that is that I am all alone. There is no one out there. There is no one that can understand. There is no way to describe it. And I think that for me in the depression is is what triggers most in me is not that there are not people there around me. It's that I can't reach them and they can't reach me and I can't describe what I'm going through. There are, the words are gone and it's just that, that distance between me and the world around me is, is so great that it's not like I don't want to not share it's just I don't have the ability to. So I can only speak for myself. I, I, you know, there are other people that can speak and, and use other paradigms. But as, in, in the past when I've gone through this, and I'm not in that at this point, obviously. I mean, I'm not, not, not necessarily obviously, but I'm not in it at this point. But I have certainly traveled through that. And I've traveled through that, which has a different texture to it than traveling through the grieving process. But like I said, both overlap quite a bit. Well, it seems to me also that um, you could be in depression and feel a loss of certain elements of self that are very important. In other words, I would feel, and I again, I'm not depressed right now, which is very good. <laughs> Thank you, God. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I would feel, I, I think I would say I, I would feel weak or less than or exposed if I were to share that I was in a depression. And in those, those feelings, there is a loss of my self-esteem. There's a loss of that power place that I actually hold most of the time, feeling pretty confident, um, pretty you know, together and able to do radio shows and serve my clients and publish books and all that stuff. But um, if I am in a depression... I don't know if I feel very confident or, you know, able to do, well, I know I don't uh, feel confident. So 
I see that grief and loss uh, comes even after depression to self. Does that does that sound like that's possible? Explain, explain what you mean by that. I think that depression can create a feeling of loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, when you were talking, what the word came, that came to my mind is diminishing. Yes. De- depression diminishes life, and it, it, it takes away, and, and life gets smaller and smaller, darker and darker, and, and it's a diminishing process of diminishing oneself, diminishing one's world, one's perception. It, 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 is, it is the uh, what you describe, and it, it diminishes physically as well. I was thinking the other characteristic is not just the self-perception, but the relationship to the world and physically the exhaustion that it takes the, just to do the simple things. The, and feeling, and, and that I think for me would trigger a lot of the self-esteem stuff in that whole thing. I think I should be able to do more. I should be better. Life on the outside doesn't look so bad, but I can't feel that. I, I should be able to feel, should is a, is a big word that is a deadly word that happens to uh, so many people. And I know. you know that, and and those that's where those kind of dynamics and the diminishing and the the uh, the the enclosure that happens with depression happened to me a lot in the grieving process as well. That's where the you know the lines are blurred. There's a sense of uh, there's a, a great commonality between the two. And and uh, that those elements that I just described happened to me in both. Well, the other one that gets diminished is relationship to others. In other words, um, uh, you know, people draw in, they isolate. Um, I draw in, I isolate, and mm-hmm. then my relationship with others, my relationship with um, joy is, is diminished. So yeah. you, said, you said it diminishes life, self, world, perceptions, yeah. phys- physicality, you know, kind of yeah. exhausted. But then there adds a relationship um, aspect. And now you've got yourself a, um, a real hole to climb out of. So... And then the shoulds kick in, and when the shoulds kick in, like you say, oh, my goodness, <laughs> you can should yourself to death. Yeah, it's a, it's a terrible word. Should is. is not reality. Should is an expectation of something that's not reality. And, it, it, you know, I should be this or this should happen. Just that word just indicates it's not happening, and it isn't what it's supposed to be. It is well, what it is. But, exactly, but, it's just judgment laden. Yeah, and that's 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 kind of gasoline on the fire. But the exactly. the thing that you talked about around relationships, I have really looked at this quite extensively in my own life and done a lot of reflection on this. The difference between isolation and solitude, and there is you know the isolation 
is is a very different experience from being in a solitary solitary place to be of, of uh, deeper reflection. And the isolation is pushing away, and the solitude is creating a grounding in my own self to go deeper. You know, pushing away, and it's, it's, it's a different, I, the, word, the word that comes to mind, solitude is free floating, and isolation is free falling. You know, and mm-hmm. it's just like, there's a, um, there's a big difference. And again, they look the same. They're, they're, you know, they, there are certain characteristics, but there are times when I deeply need solitude for replenishing. And that's very much a part of the grieving process for me. And I give myself permission to have a lot of alone time for the, the deepening and the regeneration and the replenishing that solitude brings me. When I'm in depression, everything that I touch in the external world, including intimate relationships, they hurt. And, and then out of the hurt, it beca- they, I become numb. And depression is a numbing. It's a diminishing. It's a numbing. It's a, I can't feel the world around me because I am overwhelmed by the feeling of the world around me. And so that's where, you know, there, again, it's a different texture. And I, I like to use the word texture when it comes to experiences in that the texture of depression is very different from the texture of grief. The texture of isolation is very different from the texture of uh, solitude. But they all look and can feel the same. It depends on the dynamics, the underlying dynamics that are creating that experience that, that make the difference. Brilliant. Does that make sense? It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And what that tells me is the fact that you, you put it this way where you give yourself permission to have that alone time, that solitude, that replenishing and regenerating time um, is different from um, I am going to uh, go to bed for three days and um, put the sheet over my head and just kind of wallow for a while. That's different. And, yeah. and it's much more, I use the word productive in a, in a more utilitarian way than any of this is, but um, yeah. it's very productive to say, I am feeling like some solitude would be a good thing for me. I, I need to um, just kind of pull back a little bit and, um, and just tell the others around you, psychically or out loud, I'll be back when I feel better. Yeah, yeah, and, and that is a permission thing. And also, what what I, the word that uh, my that I use instead of this is more productive. This is more healing. Yeah. My isolation. I'm in a spin cycle, and there's and that's what I'm saying. There's no way out, no exit in the isolation, because it does not have a healing element to it. Solitude has a healing element to it. And I will tell Rachel, my wife, I will say, look, I need some time alone and you know that and she's fine with that she has her own alone time she has her own processes and to be able to verbalize it and to and say this isn't about you this is about something i need to go through the the isolation is leave me alone 
you know, go away. The solitude is I need to step back and I will return, you know, and we will, and, and we will be able to communicate later. But I need this alone time. I, I got some things to process through. And that's what solitude gives me is a way through where isolation, I, I can't, it just, there's, there's not a healing element to that when I'm pushing the world away. You know, when I'm creating a space in solitude that, that gives me space from the world in order to find my own rhythm and understanding and, and renewal to be in the world, that's the healing element. Wow. All right, so here's another question. When you are depressed, do you have that same sense of self-care and that same sense of putting yourself in a in a solitude versus an isolation mode? Or do you have to have a reminder? Uh, how do you get to healing, really? I, I, maybe you don't have an answer, and maybe I don't either, and maybe that's just a question for the ages but how do we how do we get to the healing well the the thing for me is i don't see i, I may I, this may be contradictory to what i just said but isolation and solitude are both self care we're which i i'm just trying to do the best i can everyone's mm-hmm. trying to do the best they can and if isolation is where i need to be because I, I don't have the uh, facilities internally or externally to, to, to be in solitude. And I have been in isolation. I have been like, please, God, the world, just go away. But as I lean into the isolation, you know, as I continue, like, as I, you know, that's where your metaphor of, of spiraling, there is movement in, in the isolation and the depression. If I move an inch my way through that, there will come an exit. It's, it's about being authentic. It's about being real. It's about being in non-judgment. There are times when I, you know, I, it's not either or for me. It's not either depression or either grief or either solitude or either isolation. It is a both and. You know, I, I can slip into one. It's just what I find is that as I am experiencing it, with intentionality and awareness, I can now detect the difference. And, and so that gives me different perspective and a different tool for each one. I'll go into isolation. Boy, do I want to, you know, just put the sheets over my head and say the world, <laughs> it, it, the world is not uh, invited to my, my party. And, and, <laughs> and let, me also say, let me also say this, that depression is not a pity party. You know, it is not, you know, depression is not a, oh, for me an oh, woe is me and oh, just get over it kind of thing or you're just too self-absorbed or anything of that nature. It is a survival technique in an overwhelming world. And, and so when we are in survival mode, that, you know, we do what we need to do and we, we're just doing the best we can. So, you know, I don't sit there and go, oh, I'm depressed. There's something wrong with me. That I, that's really a tragic way to, and I think that's what you were talking about, Deborah, 
when not being able to reach out because there's that perception that depression, there's something wrong. Yes. You're, yeah, you are, you as in generic you are being, are, are, not measuring up, and so, and when I and so I have looked at depression as as something that this is just part of life. This is here to guide me somewhere, and to to give me some kind of insight or some experience that that I am inviting into my life through the depression, through the isolation, to find a deeper way and a more expansive way to live my life. You know, you know, when we talk about suicide and, and the, the elements around that, and I've known people who have, have taken their, their own lives, and I've, and I've certainly thought about it myself in the past, and that's, that's not a foreign subject for me. But what I found in my own experience is that, for me, that wanting to die I realized it wasn't that I wanted to die. It was that I just couldn't live. And that's what was, and sitting on the precipice of am I going to live or die and making that choice of, of whether to take my own life or not. That, you know, there's an account of that in the book that, uh, mm-hmm. that you know, out of the ashes, that, of, of that experience of coming to that place. I, that, and it wasn't that I wanted to die. I just didn't know how to live anymore. I couldn't live. I couldn't live in that anymore. And not only the external circumstances of our lives, but the internal coping or lack of coping mechanisms that I had. I just so it is it is a it is a yearning for life that I saw in me that wanted me to take my life, which is rather paradoxical. It is. Well, thank God you um, did whatever you did to go the other way, clearly. Um, I have had uh, one point in my life in the early 90s where the thoughts of suicide were, I won't say regular, but um, came up a few times. And thank goodness my mother had taught me something that whenever I would think about not being able to live anymore or whatever, um, and I do understand that, that is exactly how I feel as well. It's not that I want to die, it's just I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and what I was going to say was, my mother said, people who commit suicide walk in the shadows forever. In other words, they don't rest in peace. And I thought every time I would think about it, I would think to myself, but (laughs) I really do need to rest in peace. I do not want to walk in the shadows. And that would always be like an overlay over whatever else I was feeling. So I think what I'm saying is um, having a, um, like a bellwether or a a little bell, let's put it that way, a little bell that goes off is very helpful because that was the bell for me. It was like, oh, wait. Um, I don't want to walk in the shadows. So maybe that will help someone, just just having that thought. Well, it may, and, and that is a, a good point that every one of us has something that hopefully transcends that 
level of despair and uh, you know the, and the, the the thing that comes to mind is that whatever that is whatever is that can transcend that there are always elements in every situation you know that's where the exit is the transcendent is the exit and and that may have been a transcendent point for you in that and that that from your perspective that that if you had committed suicide you would not rest in peace that, that is not necessarily the case for everyone and I, and that's right not, and that's certainly not my perspective of when someone takes their own life I, I i i don't see how someone dies uh, as as part of the process of the expansion that that someone enters into so uh, at that, the uh, but for me it was like I was so, you know, as, as it says in the book, you know, this this thing of I went through this whole litany of all the love lost and and everything that I was losing and and at that time, as you as you know, I had given in a false uh, diagnosis of being terminal with not much time to live and it was an incorrect diagnosis. So I was sitting there thinking. You know, oh my God, I'm dying anyway. Everything's lost, and 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 I went through this whole litany of all the people that didn't love me, and that God didn't love me, and not that no, you know, nobody see that my whole perspective, Lydia didn't love me, and all these things, and and all of that was false, but and so I could not see reality, and what the transcendent moment. And that, it was just seconds before my life, I was going to take my life. I mean, it was like I was already in the act of, of, of moving in that direction. And at the very last minute, uh, I can't say publicly what was it, but I said, I'll, I'll clean it up a little. I said, to hell with it. I love me. And there was something that happened at that moment. That was my transcending moment to where I stepped into something greater than my depression, my isolation, my pain, my being overwhelmed, my my lack of being able to touch the world around me. I found a world within me that I touched, that it was love, and it was love itself. And it was self-love. And it was and then I decided after that, that whatever time I had left, because I still thought I was terminal, so whatever time I had left, um, that I was going to see what I could give to life rather than what I could take. And so that is that was the transcending moment for me. And everyone's got their own moments, this moment of truth for them. And, and I hope that if anyone's listening and they're finding themselves in that deep, deep, depression and where there's feeling like there's no exit there is an exit keep looking and keep looking for that transcendent something that transcended me brought me to me and brought me into a greater understanding of what love really is and then that broke through to where i could feel the love of spirit i could feel the love of lydia i could feel the love around me and uh, but I I had so cut myself off from everything, everyone, and especially myself, that something had to break through, and 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 self care 
came out of that self-love. Absolutely. Absolutely. And while you were saying that, I was thinking that my uh, admonishing myself, if you will, that I, I must rest in peace whenever I die is I love me in my way. Mm. So getting to the I love me is so important. And it would be such a blessing for everybody listening to figure out, if you haven't already, how do you get there and, and stay there and be able to go there whenever you need to? Because we're all so much better off when we can say, I love me. Yeah, and, and, and it's it, just as the depression, there's no cookie-cutter way of no. grieving. There's no cookie-cutter way of, of depression. There's no, you know, there's no color color uh, the dots in to, to find out what's going on. Just as that, there's, there's no cookie-cutter way of finding that transcendence, finding that that moment that transcends the darkness. But what the elements that I think that, that take place that needs to be there is a willingness just to be authentic and to be authentic with the world around us and to be able to find safe people to be able to say, this is what I'm thinking, this is what I'm feeling. And not to everyone, but to people that are, to find at least one person that you can say, this is what's going on inside of me. And whether, you know, that to me, there had to be something of that nature, that the link to the, to the human capacity, to the human condition, that someone knew that there was some outlet. And, and you know, that's the, the, the isolation, to break through the isolation was really difficult for me. But I found one person that I could say, this is what's going on inside of my head. This is what I'm feeling. And that's absolutely crucial in, in any journey. And, you know, you know, no, no one um, changed John Dunn's term. No one is an island. You know, you know, and uh, the, uh, you know, we can't live that way. And and that's part of that spiraling that you were talking about. Is the that, and and what, what I said earlier is that I felt like I just couldn't put it to words and I didn't know how to express it. But being with someone that it has an open heart that is safe to be able to just be words came. Perhaps not very articulate, but words came and it was like lancing a boil to be able to share with someone what was really going on with me. What comes to mind for me too is that that moment when you can share with that other person um, really defines the moment, not the whole person. In other words, um, you can. I would be saying, I'm feeling depressed. I would not be saying, I am a depressed and worthless individual. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and, and clearly yeah. what I just said was worthless individual and depression kind of obviously hook up in my mind or I would not have said that. Um, right. So you, you see how depression works for me. So my point is, to be able to say, I am depressed to that one safe person and be able to talk that out is 
for me would be important for that to define just that moment, not me as a whole, my whole life, you know, and not to be thought less of. I guess that's obviously important to me. So maybe it's not important to anybody else. Right. Well, yeah, that's a, that's an important issue that you bring up. Or what are the themes? What are the, what are the ramifications of depression? Uh, and what what do we tell ourselves? What's what's our belief system? around depression and that's really you you brought that up a couple of times and that really is a crucial link because i don't see depression as being a part of worthless but you do and that is very important to be aware of and to to be in observation and understanding and non-judgment about yeah when i get depressed i feel worthless and 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 that's okay that's not like, oh, you, you, can't, you can't make a right by saying something's wrong. You know, it's just like it's not wrong. It's just what it is. And in your dynamic, that shows up, and that, that is something. To be able to say that here is incredibly powerful and incredibly healing just to say it to another. When I get depressed, worthlessness shows up. And for other people, Depression may have other parts of a belief or a perception that show up. Depression is not something that's isolating in and of itself. Depression permeates our entire belief system when we are in it. And our entire belief system, family history, whatever's going on at the moment, whatever we think the future is going to be, everything is intertwined in that and and in that experience of depression. So it's not just, oh, you're depressed. No. Well, there are certainly causes and conditions, but there's also other elements that need to be, you know, I don't even like the, the word address doesn't work. It needs to be honored. When I'm in depression and I come into this, that, that what I find for me in depression is life becomes meaningless. And there's, a, there's this, this empty meaninglessness that just shrouds me and so I don't think of worthlessness I think of meaninglessness and so I need to address what gives meaning I need to address what creates my perception of meaninglessness and that's you know so when we talk about depression it's like talking about love we all have different understandings of it and different uh, expressions of it and and different definitions for it so it's not like we're we could be talking past each other, and, and, and when we reach out to someone around us, the best thing that I experience and what I experience want to give the experience to another is just a, a space of non-judgment, a space of love to where whatever they're experiencing is honored and heard because that's what I needed. I needed not to be fixed but to be heard. Wow. I I this is quite amazing this conversation because while you've been talking, I have kind of drawn a a line down the middle of the page and I've done it a couple times when we've been talking and I can see that um there's a there's a dichotomy even in the definition you know, for you, it has to do with more about life, about depression. And for me, it has more to do about self. 
Mm, yeah, well, meaningless, meaningless versus worthlessness in that you know in that uh, in that chart that I was drawing, and it's very interesting. And what it tells us is, um, it, this is part of the reason that people maybe don't talk about it very much, or they don't want others to know, or they don't reach out because the language isn't right. You know, it's when I say right, I'm going to put the word in quotation marks. Um, it's it's not working. You know, we're not communicating because it's so personal. Absolutely. You know, it is so personal, and um, it's it's complicated. Don't you think it's complicated, Benjamin? Absolutely, and it really comes with where are the roots of the depression? And, you know, since we're talking about loss, the depression and, and grief, it, it's where are the roots, what what happens, it is what blossoms out of the ground or what's created in the roots. And so I, I think that's a brilliant insight that you have, that, and I've never even thought of it in that way, that, that how depression and the roots for you come out of self and, and experiences there. And, and depression for me, the root of that comes out of a, a, a life experience in a different way. But that's not the only roots, you know. That, I mean, I, I could have them in, in, in self, you could have them in life, but right now, and that's the thing is, it, it, you know, just as life is a kaleidoscope, so is depression. You know, it's just the colors are a lot darker. <laughs> so, exactly. But, uh, it, there's a lot. There's a lot of different elements, and and it's like I said, it's not cookie cutter. It's not some. It's not simple, and and so helping, but knowing the roots doesn't solve the issue. The issue, you know, and doesn't doesn't give a way out. It gives a way to understand it, and may give some clues how to to go about getting out. But it takes a lot of effort. You know, the, the they call it grief work. Sometimes I'm not really into that term, but grief work. They never call it depression work. No, <laughs> it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to just live life depressed. It's a lot of work to move within the confines of depression. It's exhausting. It is. I'm getting depressed just talking about it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, don't. Get, you know, really, that's, no. that's the thing. It's, you know, and, and, and that's the thing is that we don't want to affect the world around us. We don't want to suck them into our vortex or they, we no. don't think they'll understand. But uh, that, that, that's not true. That, that's not – it's important for us to talk about it. It's important for, you know, how, especially if someone's depressed, to find a way to articulate what's really going on with someone that is safe. There, you know, the isolation is the, the worst part, you know, is because we start believing what we're thinking, and that's not necessarily true. Well, it's open heart and willing ear that... Hello? I don't know if you're there. I don't know if it's still recording. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Something okay. something stopped. Oh, um, <laughs> okay. Well, I was saying um, open heart, willing ear. 
Um, did, did you hear that? Yes, I did. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Um, is is all we can do. It's all we can be to another. I really do think that's, that's so important. That's true. That is very true. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting how depression creates that aloneness. And there is a need for that aloneness and to go through that and to, and to embrace whatever is going on. But that aloneness gravitates to others. That, that there is this, as human beings, we, we are magnetized and, and to each other in a very interesting dynamic, and we need each other. You know, the, the worst punishment that uh, a prisoner can get is solitary confinement. Mm-hmm. And de- depression is the ultimate, solitary confinement. And to, to reach out and get beyond that, you know, that is, that is the, the, the hope and the goal that, that I've always had, that I know I'm in isolation. I need to, whatever I can do, inch my way into reaching out to another whatever, but it's a solitary confinement that, that can kill. Oh, my gosh, you are so right. You are so right. Well, I think we have covered this topic in a way that is helpful, I'm sure, to someone out there. It was very helpful to me. I'm going to um, listen to this again myself because I, um, I, I just remember some things that you said that I want to put into my mental univac forever. <laughs> so... so um, thank you so much. This has been a fast 45 minutes. Um, yes, it has. Yeah. It has. So how can people reach you, Benjamin? How do you like for people to get in touch with you? You have a very active Facebook community. Right, right. And, and the Facebook community is the uh, Grief and Healing in the After Loss. And uh, there's, a, there's a website called uh, theafterloss.com. And that's uh, uh, where I'm available. So, and um, and your blog is amazing, and the the beauty on the Facebook page is the comments that people make on your posts. The depth of sharing that you put there is just amazing for people. So please, please, please um, reach out. Anyone that's listening, reach out. Find an open heart, a willing ear. Um, work through, heal, whatever you have to do, because we're all so important on this world, in this world. So, Benjamin, do you have any final alone. words? And you're not alone. Yeah, we're not alone. And uh, and I'm grateful that whoever heard this, that, that, um, that perhaps this can be of some service. Absolutely. All right. Well, I will um, say goodbye to you for now, my friend. And all we'll right. talk, again, talk again in a couple of weeks. All right, so bye, everyone. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. With Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.